In Amos chapter 8, we look at this prophet of God. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Amos. And before, before we start preaching on Amos chapter 8, I'm going to start around verse 11 where it talks about a famine in the land. But not the kind of famine that you and I are thinking of. This is a different kind of a famine. But Amos, who is he? A lot of people in, in the Christian realms don't really study this book. They don't really know a whole lot about him. But Amos was basically a farmer, okay? He was a sheep breeder. He grew fruit. And he lived in a town called Tekoa in Judah. And he was an 8th century uh, kind of a person that God had chosen to go north into Samaria and bring the word of God to these people, okay? A message to them. Uh, back during these days in that particular area, it was pretty much a prosperous time, but there was some in social injustices going in. The rich was oppressing the poor and worship. People didn't really care about their worship and how they worshiped God. They weren't really true in their worship towards the Lord. It was kind of meaningless and hollow uh, was their kind of worship. And God just despises that kind of thing. He despises that you're not hot or cold, as the scripture says in the book of Revelations. It says you're, you're neither hot nor cold and lukewarm just isn't good enough. So they, were, they got into a ritualistic ceremonial type of worship and God just despised that. And he chose this farmer of all things, you know. He could have chosen a lot of different people to go and bring this message. But he found in Amos... A, a, a plain spoken type of a guy uh, uh, to deliver this message, a plain spoken farmer to deliver this message to the people of Samaria and Judah about their type of worship and how meaningless that it was and how hollow that it really was and that they didn't really love God. They were just kind of going through the motions. And I tell you, as I was studying this out, it reminded me a lot of us. And this day and age that we live in today, that people, you know, God is a thing that they, they partake in, but it's really not everything to them. It doesn't really have a whole lot of meaning to them. It really doesn't, it, it really isn't the foundation of who they are. It is just something that they do to check the box, so to speak, and say, well, I did that, and I am that, and, and I, am a, I am a Christian, but I really don't possess that fire in my heart that God is looking for when he's looking for true and meaningful worship and relationship from people. You can't just check the box with God. You got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is a commandment. That is a kid. Listen, the Bible says we have to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. That means that you love him with everything you are and that you have this un, uh, unquenchable desire to, to fulfill his will in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is not secondary to things. It is not. It is a purpose-filled, driven thing that you have, that you love God with all that you are. Do you love God like that? Or are you just checking the box with God? You see, that's, that's not God's fault. That's your fault. That's my fault if we do that. If, if you don't have no more of a relationship with Jesus Christ than that, if he doesn't mean no more than that to you, well, then that's on you. Because he's done everything he could possibly do to get you to have that fire in your heart that God is looking for in his people. 
He wants a relationship with you that where you love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Your strength meaning not your muscles in your body, but all the strength that you possess as a person. As a person. Everything that you are, everything that you do, everything that you accomplish, all that you try to conquer in your life should be done in all the strength that you have in the Lord and by his guidance and leadership in your life. It should be up to him what you do, where you go, how you do it, what your plans are. Is your life like that? You see, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. God said, Amos, get up from the farm there. I got a message for you to send to these people. I want you to go up there and I want you to bring this message to the people. I want them to stop being like that. I want them to stop worshiping me with meaningless, hollow ceremonialism that means absolutely nothing. I'm tired of it. I want to hear from their heart. I want to hear from their soul. I want to hear from them who they are. And I want to know that they love me. And so Amos did just that. So the book of Amos is a collection of sermons that condemns Samaria and Judah for its meaningless worship and in many social injustices. Uh, Its first couple of chapters speaks on God's judgment to the nations. The next several chapters focus on God's judgment to Judah and Samaria. And then the last final chapter shows this kind of beautiful message of hope and restoration. And God tells us, as I said, throughout the book of Amos, he despises all of these religious rituals, okay? Our conduct must always grow from an authentic desire to love, the, uh, love others and to please the Lord in your life. Always remember that. Our conduct must always grow from the authentic desire to please God and love other people in your heart that was put there by the Holy Spirit, by your transformation, by your being born again. These are qualities that should be in place in your heart and life. The problem is, is we have a lot of people, and we're going to talk about this here in just a minute. We have a lot of people that claim Christianity, but they don't possess the qualities that come with true Christianity. Okay, true born again experience, a true conversion. That is something that doesn't happen very much around this area that I know of where people get truly converted. I'm not talking about that. This is so very difficult. You've heard me talk about this many times here. I'm not talking about what you train yourself to do or not to do. I'm not talking about your personal discipline that you put upon yourself much like Martin Luther did. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that happens to you divinely where God changes you and you are no longer the same not by your doing but by his doing that's what I'm talking about that's what God is looking for a heart that's been converted and is now in worship and love in love with God that loves him with all of their heart soul mind and strength because of the new birth that's taken place in that person's life That's what God is looking for. And we don't see a lot of that anymore. We don't see the person coming in and saying, you know what? I'm tired of this wicked life that I've been living, Pastor. I'm going to come up here and I've I've seen this in my day, folks. I've seen this. 
I've seen people walk in off the street, come in the doors of the church, and they come in and say, Pastor, I'm tired of living this sorry life that I'm living. I'm tired of being a drunk. I'm tired of being on drugs. I'm tired of being a, a, a rob, a person that goes out and steals. I'm tired of being a thief. And they come to the altar and God saves them and they're completely changed from that day forward and forever. You don't see that very many times because now we want to think our way through it. We don't want to let God just convert us. We want to just think our way on how to be a Christian rich. We just want to think our way through it. We want to think our way on on how to, okay, now how can I be a Christian? Well, you can't think your way through this. You have to let God convert you in this. You have to be redeemed. You have to be delivered. You have to be justified. God has to put His Holy Spirit in your heart because you have come to the basic principle that you're tired of being a filthy sinner you don't see that very much anymore dana where people can look at themselves and do an honest judgment of who they are and say you know what i'm a filthy sinner i am a sinner that needs to be saved i'm tired of living this life that i'm in i'm tired of being in the hole i'm tired of feeling terrible inside of me i'm they're, they're not they're not really concerned about their physical stuff going on they're, these were people who were concerned about what was going on in their heart remember them days betty When people would come in and they knew that they were bad. They knew it. They didn't have to think their way through it. They didn't have to think on how to be a better person. They didn't have to think on what it means to be redeemed and then try to be redeemed. No, they came to the altar looking for God to help them and God did. And they were saved. They were born again. There were tears shed. There was a person who was thankful and they were forever changed. And many of them became great preachers. Because they had been there and done that and they had an experience that they could relate to their fellow man and say to the people in the congregation, look what God has done with me. We don't have that much anymore, Linda. God was sending Amos to this town to go and tell these people, I'm tired of your meaningless worship and your ritualistic ceremonialism that absolutely means nothing. It means nothing. God don't care. He despises that, do you know? He wants you to come to Him. And now you understand what it means when the Bible says to come to me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's how you come to this altar. You don't, you don't try to assess it. You just come. And you let God handle the details and He'll save your life. And He'll change your life. That's what God's looking for. So, but what I want to focus on is this famine that he speaks of in verse 11, starting in verse 11. And God said, behold, the days are coming. And this is another judgment sending uh, that God was sending on the land. He says that I will send a famine on the land. He said, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. He says, the Lord says that he's going to send a famine into the world that people are not going to hear from him. You see, back in this day when God would send prophets out with a message just like he did Amos. But God said, there's coming a time I'm going to speak to you no more. I'm going to give it some time. 
And you can see what a little bit of time of not coming to the house of the Lord can do. If you're a true Christian, boy, you burn with desire to hear the word of God again. You need it. Your inner person needs the word. It needs the preaching. It needs it needs fed, you see. But God said, I'm going to turn away from you. And he did for a long time here. Turn away from the people. And there was a famine. He said, okay, if you're going to worship me like that, then guess what? I'm not going to play this game with you. I'm going to play this with you. All your social injustice up there, the rich is, 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 is oppressing the poor. And you don't love each other. And you really don't love me. You're just checking off the boxes. So guess what? I'm not going to talk to you no more. And man, the people started to get thirsty. They said, well, well, man, there's just the, the word that God's not sending any messengers to this town. I'm going to go to another town. Nothing was there either. And no, no matter how far they traveled, they could not hear from God. And let me tell you, it is a terrible and awful thing when God isn't speaking to your heart. When God has nothing to say to you. Why? Because you've ignored him this whole time. It's like God's been talking, God's been talking, God's been talking, and you haven't said a word, and you've not even been listening. And that's what was going on in Amos' day, much like today. We're so smart today, we want to assess this thing and figure, figure it out and find out, okay, well, how can I be a Christian? Well, God doesn't want that from you. He wants you to just believe in Him and let Him handle the details and don't get mixed up in meaningless things is what he's telling Amos here to tell the people, listen, I want to save your soul. I want to talk to you, have a relationship with you. But he, he feels like he needs to send this famine. He said, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Let me tell you, when God stops speaking to you, you're in deep trouble. Today, we have the word of God that we can open up. And you can read the words of the Lord. But how many people, and you don't even have to raise your hand or say amen to this, but how many people has ever felt like, man, I've been talking to God, but I just don't think God's listening. And you hit that brick wall. And we all do. And you feel like your prayers go up and hit the ceiling and bounce right back down. And nobody's listening. And nobody cares. Well, what if God just turned His back on you? What if He looked at you as He looked in the book of Romans where it says that God considered them be, for them to be of a reprobate mind. A mind that cannot handle, conceive, or understand the truth. And God drew the line and said, okay, have at it. I'm done. Same kind of deal. Man, when God stops dealing with you, you're in trouble. You're a person that's most miserable, I tell you. Now, as we can tell, like I said, we've been out of, out of church for a while, I'm telling you, and you begin to hunger for the house of the Lord because there's just something about being in the presence of other believers and the preached word of God. Now you understand, and you've just been given a small little taste of it, of why Jesus said that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's the reason why. Because you need to hear from your maker. This kind of a famine occurs for three kind of reasons. It's the kind of famine that comes when people hear the truth, but they don't accept it. 
That's a kind of a famine in the land. This is a kind of hunger and a famine that's produced within society that truth means nothing to people. The only truth that means anything to anybody is what they think they're going to get tomorrow. What they think they're going to gain in their life. You know, you go to the doctor and their doctor might tell you, you ain't got much longer to live. I talked just yesterday with somebody who, 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 who kind of has felt their own mortality. And was given word that they got to go back and have some more tests run because there was a spot found in their body, on their kidney. And they know that they have another spot on the opposite side. And now they're just waiting for the news. You see. When you hear truth, people don't care about it. People are only in pursuit of what they can put in their pockets. And what today in this world has to offer. And God's continually trying to speak to you. And you don't hear it. And you don't hear truth. Truth means nothing to these people in Amos' day. It, it, it caused their truth. Truth was nothing. I can say that with authority because it's, it says right here that their worship was nothing. It was despised of God. Another reason, it's a time when people will not be able to hear truth because they could be occupied by a foreign country who prevents it. Now you're understanding that if this country was conquered, you've gotten just a little taste of what it would be like if somebody enforced rules on you that you did not agree with. You see, we as Americans don't want to tolerate this stuff that's being handed down to us because we have been born in freedom. We have walked and tasted freedom. Now you know how important freedom really is and why men went and died on beaches all over this, all over this planet to give us this right as an American that you have to be free to do what you want to do, where you want to go, to worship when you want to. Freedom was bought at the price of blood. And now young people today are voting these, 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 these mongrels in office who are communists and socialists. And they're doing it on the walking on the blood that was sacrificed for them on this planet. I can't believe it. It offends me deeply. That my family who has fought in every war since this country was a country. And even before. In the French and Indian War, I had a grandfather that served, an Indian grandfather that served as a scout to George Washington, Chief Summerfield. Before this country existed, he was doing that. It offends me to the core of me that we got stupidity like that walking around in our country that would vote for something that would cause this to happen. Can you imagine? This is where we're headed. If people have their way and they put the Bernie Sanders in there or they put these socialists in there that are trying to, to the, these left wing people who are trying to want to take your freedoms from you, this is where you'll live. This is how you'll live. 
You'll be told when you can go out, where you can go, when you can do it, how you can do it, if you've got to wear that mask or not. Whether you can go to church, whether you can assemble, where you go at in that story, do you want that? Fools would go and vote for someone like that. Where our men and our women have went and died to keep it from our shores. It offends me greatly. I don't want someone who's going to oppress me. I want someone who's going to fight for my liberties. My right to carry a gun. My right to hunt and fish. My right to come and worship in the house of the Lord. My right to go to a park when I want to go to it. You see where your freedoms are going. They're anxious to take it from you. These people that's in power, this woman in Michigan, you go and you look at her, she's power hungry. She shouldn't be in, she should not be. The people of Michigan should stand up and remove her. She should not be in power there. And the president needs to take this all back and get this country back straightened up. That's my personal opinion. People are getting totally out of hand with this stuff. Freedom is being lost every day. At the sake of a virus that's no more deadly than the common flu. And another reason is when God just simply doesn't communicate with you. So the first reason is when people hear the truth, there's a famine created because they don't listen to it. And so therefore they don't even know that they're killing themselves with hunger but they're dying spiritually because they're so deaf to truth that they're killing their inner man. And they become so engulfed with carnality that they become nothing more than a walking carnal creature with no spirituality whatsoever because they won't listen to the truth. They don't know it, but they, are, well, they have created their own famine, their own hunger and thirst because they don't want to hear the truth. The second one was when you get occupied by somebody who prevents it from happening. And then the third one is, hey, listen, God just ain't going to talk to you. When he just looks at you and says, okay, I'm done. And you know, when God pulls away, your inner person is going to die. You're going to die. You see, that's a type of hell. The horror of hell is the absence, total absence of God. That's the real horror of hell is when God doesn't exist where you are at, where there's no attributes of God whatsoever to be found in your present location. Now, most people think, well, that just sounds like a great party to me. No, you've got it wrong. Because even the most heathenistic evil people can enjoy the goodness of this age that they live in. But in hell, there'll be no such thing. It'll be the absence of anything good. And it'll be the presence of everything horrid, evil, and painful. Both bodily and spiritually. So God's trying to send a message to these people. And I'm telling you, he's trying to send a message to us. Wake up. Get up. Open up your ears and listen up. 
He's got something to say to you and he's wanting you to listen and he's wanting you to hear it and he's wanting you to let you let him convert you. Don't think it out. Just allow just love God for a minute, will you? You see, that's the power of the whole thing is just loving each other. You know, with a whole lot of love for God, God can do a whole lot in your life. That's what people need. They need the love of God. They just need to let God have it. You see, this is the problem that the Apostle Paul had himself. He was so learned in the scripture. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, but he had to somehow get rid of all that out of his heart so that he could understand this new covenant. He says that. He says he counted it all as dung. Do you understand? That old country term, dung, it's what you find at the bottom of the outhouse, folks. Can I get an amen? That's at the bottom of the outhouse. He said, everything I thought I knew I counted as dung. The bottom of the outhouse. He said, I threw it all out of my mind, Rich, and I'm starting all over again. And I'm just going to learn how to love. And I'm going to learn how to love God. I can see that chasing these Christians around and beating their brains out and dragging their kids and their parents back to prison just really isn't what Jesus is all about. But he did all of that with a trained, learned mind. He would be your doctorate degree in theology today. And then some. And he did all that with all that knowledge. He did all that evil. Knowledge doesn't make you smart spiritually. Knowledge means nothing. It just means you're a smart sinner. That's all that means. You're an educated sinner. Hey, you'll go to hell and you'll be the smartest person down there. Hey, give yourselves a round of applause. We'll compare degrees in hell. That means absolutely nothing to the Lord. God wants somebody that will hear His Word and will respond to it and will allow Him to deal with their heart in ways that is mysterious to man. You know, I've always said, I don't know how a black cow eats green grass and has white milk. I don't understand the process of that. But I, and I don't understand how a person can be sick of who they are, come to an altar of prayer and ask God to forgive them, and then suddenly they're changed. But that happens. And I don't need to understand it. I only have to believe in it. And that's what I'm telling you today. That's what I'm telling you. Is we have to believe in the Lord. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not with meaningless worship. Not with ritualistic ceremonialism that you can take and just throw that in a garbage can. You can take your little cross and you can take your beads and you can take all that stuff like that. Let me tell you something, that's going to burn. That's going to burn. It ain't going to make it. It's not going to get you to heaven. The thing that's going to get you to heaven is whether or not you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, that He was born of the Virgin, God raised Him from the dead, and He was the propitiation for your sin. 
that He took your sin upon Him so that you would be free from the penalty of sin if you will believe in Him.